Hello, Sean. Hey. How are hey. you? Good. 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 Could you tell us a little bit about yourself? Certainly. Um, my background is I probably have close to 20 years in real estate in uh, Ohio, um, about north of about 30 minutes north of Cincinnati. Um, is the area that we concentrate in. And um, then I have about 12, 13 years of zoning experience in um, the same area. Um, recently became the director of building and zoning for the county in which I reside. Can you tell us a little bit about the zoning? Yes, how it affects uh, real estate prices, uh, residential, um, the easiest way to describe zoning is, is is it's what you want for everybody else. You know, you want it for your neighbors, but you don't want it for yourself generally. Um, it, what zoning does is it keeps those inoperable vehicles up on blocks um, out of the, out of, out of the uh, off the property. Um, it keeps the grass mowed. Um, it just kind of maintains um, some uh, great, you know, it just maintains the appearance of a neighborhood to where you want it to be uh, without zoning. Anybody does whatever they want to do. And then you're left with some things that are less desirable. Um, when you have um, properties in a community that are less desirable, of course, then property values don't, um, they, they aren't the same as what they could be um, if those properties were maintained. So not only do property values decrease, um, but also sometimes you have issues with even that property being resold. Um, as an investor, you always want to look at the zoning. Um, I think the easiest thing for an investor to do is is contact the local zoning department and ask if there's any violations. If there's any violations on that property, you can do a public records request and ask for um, any pictures or, or violation notices that have been sent. So right there, you have a record of what's happened with that property. If there's no violation records, well, then that's good too because you know the property's been maintained, at least externally. Um, so zoning plays a really important part um, in residential, but also commercial. Um, different areas have different zoning codes, um, and of course they have different zoning designations. Um, for us, for instance, we have um, B5, um, B1, B2, B3, B4, B5. These are all B zones, and then we have I1 and I2, which are industrial areas. You certainly don't want to purchase a property in an industrial area um, for something that you want to do maybe a neighborhood business in, and, 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 and the reverse is the same. You don't want to do a uh, purchase a property in a, in a B1 where it's a neighborhood business thinking that you're going to be able to do some type of a warehouse distribution. So zoning plays an important part in any investment that you're going to be making. Um, it, again, whether they're zoning or not, that's a, first of all, that's an important thing. And then secondly, um, what the zoning is. So, so it's, it's very, very important, important to first home buyers, as, as well as some um, business owners looking to expand or get into a different market. Right, um, definitely. First-time home buyers, or even sometimes people who have not been um, in areas that had zoning, um, anytime you're moving into a different area, you always want to contact that office before you purchase the home. Um, we have a lot of neighborhoods um, where they're trying to put those homes on those lots, and a lot of times those lots are just too small. So you'll drive down a street and you'll see a beautiful walkout. Um, uh, from you know the basement and then you'll see uh two by fours 
crossed over and stapled, nailed to the house um, so that they're unable to use the beautiful French doors or sliding glass door onto a deck that isn't there because the deck does not fit into that building envelope that's required by zoning. Um, you'll have people who will buy a home and think, oh, this is a great backyard. I'm going to put in this deck that's, you know, let's say 14 by, you know, 28 or whatever it might be, this beautiful large deck, um, only to have somebody like me come and knock on the door and let them know, hey, that size doesn't work. You have setbacks. Any home in a zoning district will have a front yard setback, a side yard setback, and a rear setback. So if that decks into that rear setback, I'm going to knock on your door and tell you, hey, you need to either cut two foot off your deck or you need to apply for a variance and variances go before the board of zoning appeals. Um, normally um, what happens is a person will come into our office and they want to build a deck or they want to put in a pool, something of that nature. And we'll let them know if it can or cannot be done. If it can't be done, um, they will ask, well, what can I do? Um, certainly you can ask for a variance. Um, everyone's entitled to, to ask for a variance, but that board's going to look for a hardship. So, for instance, if you have a topographical um, issue, for instance, that house we were talking about has a beautiful basement walkout, but you've got the second story sliding door that can't be used because you can't access a deck. Um, that That's a hardship, um, especially, you know, there is a lot of buyer beware. I mean, you should know, but there is a lot of issues with uh, people who don't know when they purchase a home and uh, just assume that a deck would be okay. So certainly um, the board has some sympathy, but also the board's going to want to know that hardship. Um, we've had instances where it was a handicapped child needed to be able to access the backyard. Um, that's, you know, of course, that's a hardship. Or you have um, uh, also a, maybe a child who, who does have some um, uh, autism or ADHD where they can't be at the, the neighborhood pool with the other kids because it's too much. Um, it's too much noise. It's too much um, stimulant for them. So therefore, they need a pool for their personal exercise, maybe because they have, you know, some other disabilities. So certainly if there's a, a hardship, a, a burden that's placed on you because you can't have this particular request, um, then that's where the board is able to easily approve those requests for the most part. Now, certainly just coming in and saying, well, I, I want the you know, the biggest pull. I, I want to, I want to, you know, a 90 foot pull versus the 30 foot pull that'll fit there easily and, 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 and fall into the zoning code. You know, the board's going to be like, uh, you know, you, you can just handle the regular pull. You don't need that 90 foot pull. So um, it definitely depends on um, your hardship if you're going to get that approved or not. But that is, that's important for first time home buyers as well as people who may have just never had to, you know, maybe they've moved from a large, uh, a larger lot, or maybe they've moved from a farm and they're downsizing into a community. Um, so not only do you have rules and regulations for zoning, but always check those HOA rules because um, there's a homeowners association a lot of times and those homeowners associations have their own rules. They have a covenants and restrictions that you have to follow in order to live in that neighborhood. So on top of the zoning code, then you also have those homeowners association rules and regulations too. So you want to make sure you know what those are long before you, you sign on the dotted line to purchase that home. That brings up an interesting point. Uh, during COVID, we had so many people moving back home to work from home, even start home-based businesses. Right. How how would variance or zoning work into that? Great question. Um, and certainly, um, you know, one of our probably the one of the number one calls we get is, listen, my neighbor has a, a truck and a trailer, and it's always parked in the front yard, and he's got you know mowers on it or whatever. 
you're a, for most zoning codes, and certainly it varies, but for our particular code, we allow one commercial truck and one commercial trailer. We want you to be able to work. We want you to be able to pay your bills. We want you to be able to stay in the home. Um, so we do allow for what we have is class one and class two home occupation license. Um, what that does, it, it, a class one is just, you're going to come in the office, you're going to tell us what you're doing. For instance, it's going to be uh, maybe something like you're doing, Sean, from home. You know, you have a podcast, you work from home, or maybe you're an architect, um, something of that nature, a plans reviewer, something that you do in a home office. Um, my husband is, is a real estate appraiser. He works from home. Those are class ones. They're easy. We sign off on them. You're good to go. Class two, eh, that's a little bit different. Class two can be anything from, you know, a barber shop or someone who does nails. Um, so it, it, a class two is more you're having actual customers come to the house. So when you have customers come to the house, we want to know what area of your home is designated for that. Are you doing a separate building for that? Um, certainly anything uh, where you're involving people coming to your house um, is going to definitely be a class two that goes before the board because the board wants to make sure that you have enough parking. They're going to want to make sure that you have enough screening from neighbors because certainly if you're in a neighborhood, your neighbors don't want to have to look at three, or five, you know, three to five cars in and out of the driveway every day. So they're going to ask you to do some more screening, whether that be maybe a privacy fence or a couple <laughs> of arborvitaes. Um, they're also going to re regulate your hours. You know, you can't be in a neighborhood and have people coming in at midnight, one o'clock, two o'clock in the morning. You can't be a disrupt a disruption to your neighbors. So, um, but that again, a class two is possible. Um, a lot of people have those. It just has to go before the board, and you have to have some set rules and regulations um, to make sure that you're still a residence and, and you're you're a, a, a welcome neighbor. You're not a neighbor that people are always complaining about. How would you know about zoning? If you're new to an area or you're moving to a different neighborhood that you're not familiar with, how would you know about zoning? Wonderful question. Um, definitely, and I and I, whether it be zoning or anything, you need to know where your community center is. Um, you need to know where your police department is. You need to know where your fire department is. Heaven forbid you ever need any of those services. You want to have a relationship and you want to know where they are. Um, stop at the government local government office just stop in and ask them hey you know i'm, I'm considering this area um what is your crime rate um what are your zoning rules about swimming pools what are your zoning rules about uh cows horses um stop in and ask questions um getting to know those people is is really important because they, they've probably been there for a while and trust me they've seen it all so you want to know you know what, what's happened on my street i'm looking at this street you know Smith Road. What's happened on Smith Road in the last six months? They'll be able to share things with you. Also, if there's a large parcel behind you that's vacant, don't think it's always going to be vacant. We hear that a lot too. Well, I always like having that big that big prairie behind me. Doesn't mean anything. Check your zoning office because that could be slated for the next neighborhood. So you may end up what you think is a prairie. It may have 500 homes behind you. How does zoning affect real estate sales? Um, you know, zoning really doesn't affect real estate sales. Um, what it does, hopefully, is it is it is it adds to it. Um, like I said, if it's in a great neighborhood, um, everybody's lawn is kept nice. There's no inoperable vehicles. It's making those sales higher and better. Um, in this market, of course, I don't think anything's affecting it. It's going through the roof, no matter where it is or what the neighbors look like. Um, but of course, that's a different story. So zoning is a way to protect the investor's investment or the homeowner's invest 
Oh my gosh. Yes, definitely. Um, you know, I have um, a lot of friends who are looking at properties in different areas and, and I've asked them, you know, we, you love that area. Why didn't you buy anything there? And they'll say, because I didn't see any zoning rules. I don't want to purchase something and have the neighbor move in, you know, a, a, a junkyard, a salvage yard, or maybe a, a single wide trailer. Um, not that those are things are bad, but there's a place for them. And certainly if this person's willing to invest, you know, a hundred thousand, 200,000, maybe even a million dollars, depending on the location, you know, they want to make sure that, that if they decide to sell it, they're going to get that money back. Um, zoning just makes it, even if you have bare basic zoning, I mean, just some bare basic rules, you know, your grass has to be under 12 inches. You can't have any inoperable vehicles in the front yard. Um, you can't let trash and debris pile up on your front porch, you know, just some bare basic rules. And even then, um, for instance, for us, you know, we send out a 30 day notice. Hey, you know what? We've seen this a time and time and again, or your neighbors have called us, you know, let's, let's get this. You have 30 days to get it corrected. Even after 30 days, we're going to send you another 10-day notice and let you know, hey, this is your this is your final notice. You've got 10 days or we're going to send it to the prosecutor's office. We don't want to do that. That's not our goal. We want you to comply with the zoning code and we want everybody happy. Unfortunately, a lot of times, though, it does either get that last 10-day notice or even in some cases, it has to go to the prosecutor's office. So what happens then if it's there's no compliance? There's no compliance and it goes to the prosecutor's office. Um, the prosecutor then will take them to court. Um, hopefully, um, getting that letter that you're going to court makes them immediately change things. Um, we always go out and take pictures the day before we're, we're, to, we're to go to court um, because we're hopeful. You know, we want this to be, you know, a, a, a solved case, a closed case. We want it to be done and over. If not, um, certainly that judge has the ability to, to place fines on that person. Um, you know, you can be inflicted with fines $100 a day, $500 a day, whatever that, that judge feels is, is, is going to make you comply and, and, and make you do what you're supposed to do. You touched on it briefly about the difference in zoning for industrial and commercial. Mm -hmm. Right. What about residential and agricultural? Yeah, um, definitely. And as you know, from just driving across a particular state or a particular community, um, we have higher density, which for us is R3, R4 um, is higher density, which means you can do multifamily um, homes on smaller lots. Then you get into, for us, uh, R1, RU, um, those are larger lots, more rural areas. Um, certainly then you also have, you know, the, 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 the differences in the industrial and commercial, um, rules and regulations. Um, all of them have different sets of rules and that's why it's so important to stop and like I said, and, and talk to somebody in that zoning office and find out what your particular set of rules and regulations are for that particular property. Michelle, you said you've been in the real estate business for like 20 years yeah um have you ever seen a time like this no <laughs> no um you know years back what was it oh seven oh eight we thought we were living in disneyland uh but this is this is disney not 2.0 but like 10.0 um it's absolutely crazy um you know we're writing and we're seeing escalation clauses like uh you know we're going to give you ten thousand above and beyond what we're offering up to a hundred thousand dollars you know, just to ensure that they get that home. I've seen people write offers stating, um, we, we're going to offer you X amount of money and then we're going to buy your next home for you. 
it's 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 unbelievable what people are willing to do. Um, like I said, it's 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 not Disney anymore. It's Disney 10.0. So the Exodus, I call it the Exodus because all the people leave in California and New York. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you you've been affected your office has been affected the real estate company that you're associated with it's seen a uh, it's been affected too oh yeah yeah double o realty um we have seen certainly actually one of our clients that we close um on a house this thursday um he's moving here from california um, one thing that you always have to pay attention though is, is people from different areas have different mindset on what, for instance, a farm. He wanted a farm. Um, so we were looking at, you know, 15, 20, 30 acres. For us, that's, you know, that that's what you would start at a farm. Well, his idea of a farm was five acres. So we did, you know, you definitely want to make sure that you're understanding what your client's thoughts are. And again, coming from different areas, they just have different um, ideas on what um, a farm is or what maybe a single family dwelling is. Um, for us, uh, where, you know, normally our clients are looking at a single family dwelling, they think, you know, 2000 plus square feet. Um, a lot of people coming from New York and larger cities see, you know, a, a regular single family home. They don't want anything more than, you know, 1200 square feet. So you really have to talk to that person and know what, what you know, just because your interpretation of, of, of a farm or your interpretation of a large home um, may not be what those clients are looking for. What do you think about this buying friends we're in? Do you think this is a bubble? Do you think this is going to go on for some time or is it about over? Well, I wish I knew because, oh my gosh, <laughs> I would be a multimillionaire or billionaire. Um, you know, I really don't know. Um, I've been trying to, because I do uh, now, not only am I in real estate, um, I also am the director of a building and zoning department uh, for a particular county where I live. Of course, I don't practice real estate and, and the director of the same area, but um, I've try, been trying to determine if I need to hire more building inspectors and even more office personnel um, because we are just unable to continue this pace. You'd like to have a building inspector going out and doing, you know, 10 or 12 inspections in a day. You know, we're doing 25 or 30 in a day. It's, it's just, we have to figure out what to do. I've contacted uh, different builders that I know. I've contacted um, Home Builders Association. I've looked at a lot of the articles that the Columbus Dispatch and the Cincinnati Inquirer have been writing. A lot of them are saying, you know, 2025. So I really don't know. I know, I know for me personally, I've, I've went ahead, I've, I'm asking our commissioners to go ahead and hire a building inspector and hiring more office help because I think we're going to need it. Even if it doesn't last or if it doesn't continue into the, the five years that they're predicting, even two or three more years, um, it's just a ton of work. Do you think all this buyers are coming from people who's just stockpiled money during COVID where they stuck at home and, and just worked a lot of overtime and couldn't do nothing with their money? Or is it people moving? Um, I think it's a little bit of both. Um, I think people... You know, a lot of people spend a lot of money every year on going on vacation. You know, they spend thousands on vacation. They weren't able to do that. Um, some people weren't able to do it during COVID, and some people are choosing not to do it now just because they don't feel safe. So that's why I, I, I was teasing the girls in the office. I feel like Oprah, you get a pull, and you get a pull, and you get a pull, and you get a pull. Everybody got a pull. I mean, I honestly believe everybody in our county got a pull. Um, so whether it's 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 making improvements to their home because they didn't spend that money or whether it's I'm going to make more money off my home now than probably ever, I'm going to sell it and then I'm going to buy whatever I want. 
um, you know, I don't know. I don't know. It's, 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 it's an unusual time. I never dreamed we would come out of a pandemic uh, like this, but you know, here we are. Do you see any comparisons from now in like 2007? There was a huge buying frenzy in 2007. Mortgage companies was going crazy. They would say, <laughs> hey, if you get your loan through us, we'll pay off your Porsche. We'll pay off your credit cards. Mm-hmm. Right. Oh, yeah. Uh, and I do. I think it is different just because, um, you know, there was a lot of after that, <laughs> there was a lot of, of restrictions placed on mortgage companies and banks. Um, so they're not able to do those. You know, you walk in and, and you could just say whatever you wanted you made and you got a loan, you know, based on that. Um, they're not doing that anymore. Um, so I, I, I don't think um, the, the banks, and the mortgage companies are um, fueling the fire, per se, as they once did. Um, I think this is is completely, um, for some reason, it's 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 driven by it's just it's just market driven by the by the consumer. So, as a real estate professional, what would you recommend in this environment? Would you be out trying to look for deals, or would you be trying to put your house on the market? Well, you know, for me, <laughs> and 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 I will state too that my husband is a real estate appraiser and also a real estate agent. Um, we have really discussed a lot about um, you know uh, selling our home, our personal residence, um, because we do think that we can get more from it than maybe we will ever in the future. And then possibly just you know moving in with a relative or renting something um, for the next year or so, um, depending on that market. I think if you're if you're interested in buying anything right now it needs to be in some of those areas where you're seeing some regentrification where um it may not have been a desirable area before but now you're seeing some new things go in um, maybe a new brewery or some you know boutique shops um something that uh, like i said you're just seeing a change in and, and maybe you're able to get in at a good time now um other than that i don't know how you can get a good deal um in the real estate market i just don't know how it could happen unless you're looking for some of those areas that weren't as desirable so you'd think that airbnb in a vacation area would be a a decent investment in this in this in this uh, economy yeah i do think a lot of people are looking more you know people again because of because of the pandemic they're afraid of hotels and they're afraid of, of close quarters so some of those airbnb vrbo types things are more appealing um but again that goes back to zoning you want to make sure you're checking with your local zoning before you think you're going to purchase a home and it's going to be uh, able to be an airbnb or, or a vacation rental because um you know a lot of zoning codes um, are now putting restrictions on those um, different communities are having different issues with them. Um, I know, for instance, in my area, we have one, it's a beautiful home. They keep renting it out and they're having huge weddings. So there's, you know, 80 cars parked in the front yard and even sometimes over in the neighbor's yard. So that's an issue. Um, we have another property that's got a beautiful lake and, uh, you know, it was rented out for a vacation rental and, and uh, some kids from, you know, local baseball uh, camp stayed there. You know, you're talking 30 kids in one house. And of course, they were going into the neighbors and taking out their um, fishing poles out of their sheds and using those. And um, it just it, you know, got to be too much. So, um, you know, the neighbors of the VRBOs and, and the Airbnbs and things of that nature, you know, they notify zoning. And then, of course, 
they'll continue to notify commissioners or the mayor or trustees um, because they want something to change. So um, when 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 the people who, who are electing you are screaming at you, you're going to make some changes. And so therefore, we're seeing a lot more um, of those types, any of any of the vacation rentals being regulated um, at the local level. In the last few days, we've seen some laws passed. Uh, one of them that is getting a lot of attention is the zero emissions. And no, it's already ready to roll out in California, or they claim it is. But in the Cincinnati area, are you? is your office gearing up to implement some of these zoning? You know, it's a great question. Um, at this point in time, uh, we don't have any specifics. Um, so I don't know what that's going to be like for us. Um, I know that, you know, certainly with residential, there's not always as many um, restrictions um, for emissions and things like that as there is in the commercial and industrial um, realm. So I'm sure we're going to probably see more um, start um, in that arena and then probably work down to residential. Um, at this point in time, I just don't know. We're not seeing it yet. Um, I, I, I'm sure it's eventually going to come, you know, to us. Um, but at this point in time, we're, we're not seeing it much of it. Have you seen anyone uh, affected greatly by the non-eviction orders? Oh, yeah. Um, and that's something that, you know, people talk about on, on a probably a weekly, if not daily basis. Um, and, and it's and it's a difficult it's a difficult subject you know, because you, you understand both sides. Um, you know, we actually have a family member who was impacted by um, the pandemic. I mean, she was in a, in a great position um, with a, a local um, hotel chain and unfortunately lost that job. So, um, you know, it's hard to pay rent when you don't have a job. Um, so, you know, you see from both sides, you see from that tenant and then you see from um, the landowner, the landowner, um, it, it's, it, it's, it's, it's just not good either way. Um, I know some of them that, that we're close to or familiar with have, you know, applied for PPE money. Um, some are working with their accountants on, you know, being able to take some type of a deduction in taxes um, because they've, they've lost out on, on the months and months of rent. Uh, it's, it's not just a few weeks, it's months and months. So it's definitely making an impact. Um, some of them that we know have other properties that are, you know, profitable or they're taking those profitable in, uh, properties and they're, they're making, um, you know, new adjustments. They're adding, you know, nicer things to it to possibly get more income from that one uh, to kind of help offset uh, the ones that just aren't doing so well. So um, it is, it's, it's just, a, it's a, a terrible time right now. Um, if you're one of those people who, who have tenants who are just, you know, without a job or unable to meet those um, obligations of, of the rent that, you know, that, that they, they need to pay. Are you seeing those landlords that are maybe in distress uh, with the non-eviction orders? Do you see them selling their properties or are they tending to hold on to them? Um, you know, it's, it's, it, it is harder to sell a property knowing that, you know, there are tenants rights and, and, and whether, you know, you're on which side of that is, is up to you, but tenants have rights and you can't just evict them. So, um, it, it, if you can sell the property, some, I think have, have, have other investors who were wanting to be in that area. So maybe they're trading off some properties, maybe they're selling a few, but I, it's, it's, it's definitely a lot more difficult to sell those properties that are burdened with that. 
Michelle, your husband told us earlier that prices in Arizona and around the Phoenix area, if a house has been on the market for, say, a month, that the price of the house is going up twenty to $30,000 per month and not going down. Do you have anything to say about that? It's, well, I'm not surprised. Um, like I said, you know, we thought we were in Disneyland before. This is this is complete Disneyland, not 2.0, but 10.0. It really is. It nothing surprises me anymore. Um, you know, when you have people offering to write an offer on a property, and then not only write the offer, but then they're saying, "I'll also buy your next home for you," or um, you know, escalation clauses going up hundreds and thousands of dollars. It's, it, it's nothing surprises me. I, I, you know, every time I think that I've I've heard it all, the next day it's something different. And 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 I I don't know I don't know if it's you know like I said if if I knew the answer if this was going to continue I'd be a billionaire. But you know who knows who knows what's going to happen. Um, I think Sean you had mentioned that they were raising rates and and we don't know how much that's they're going to raise the rates. So uh, we'll see how that makes a change or if it makes a change. How does that affect these? when they're raising you know and offering so much money over the appraisal value we both know that uh, the a mortgage company will not loan above the appraised value of a home right so what do these buyers do when they're coming in offering a hundred thousand dollars more coming to the table where do they get Mm. that money well that's a good question because they have to bring whatever you know the appraised value is anything above and beyond that they have to bring that cash to the table so you know, I don't know. I don't know if people actually save that much by maybe not going on those vacations or, you know, I mean, you have to figure some people were commuting a long way. So, you know, that's gas, that's wear and tear on the vehicle, that's lunch every day. I mean, you're still eating, but maybe you're not eating out like you were. So maybe they are saving, you know, money to the point that they're able to bring that kind of cash to the table. Or maybe they feel, and and you and I have talked about it many times, maybe they feel that whatever they have to do to get into that house, it's a better investment than letting that money set in the bank. The dollar is going down in value. A recent podcast with Patrick Van David, he was talking about, you know, how inflation is going up. And we all know prices are going up. You just mentioned gas and everything else going up. He said real estate is a great investment because it's non-duplicatable. No one's making any more land. Do you agree with that? Oh, completely. 100%. I have one more question for you. Warren Buffett also says that the greatest builder of wealth is home ownership. Would you like to expand on that? Um, that yeah, definitely. Well, um, certainly, it, it gives you so many more abilities um, once you have that property, and once it's you know, let's say you pay it down halfway, then you can take that equity out and you can invest it into maybe a, a flip that you want to do, or um, into a duplex that you know, when you get older, you want to move into the duplex and you want to have somebody else you know in the other half, and that way you have income coming in all the time. So definitely, um, you know, that's. For right now, <laughs> um, you know, once you own that property, that's yours. Um, and 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 certainly any any improvements that you do to it, um, you should get that back out of it. Um, and sometimes it's just sweat equity. You know, you can take a, a home that's not very, you know, doesn't have any curb appeal. You can add flowers and some landscaping, just some simple things that you can do yourself and, and make a huge difference and resell that property. Um, as you know, Sean and I did, gosh, I think we did... 12 or 14 uh, houses like that in a year. And um, 
a lot of times it didn't take much, you know, to make that profit. Um, so uh, yeah, definitely. I think home ownership is certainly the way to do it. Um, any type of real estate you can get into, uh, if you have to partner up with somebody, um, or if you have to just do, you know, uh, smaller projects, maybe instead of doing 12 or 14 a year, you just do two or three a year, whatever you have to do. I think anything in the real estate market, um, you know, you can get into, get into it. Um, if you have somebody that, that that's knowledgeable, you have a great agent that's working with you, um, you know, rely on them. Uh, again, talk to your local um, zoning departments, talk to your local sheriff's office, police department, whatever it might be. You know, talk to some of those people, pick out the great properties that are out there that you can afford and make them better. You just made a liar out of me. I do have a couple more questions from your statement. <laughs> You know, you said that um, you, you said that you know uh, home ownership is great, and I agree a hundred percent. What about the barriers? What are some of the barriers to getting into uh, real estate as from an investor or as a first home buyer? Um, you know, well, definitely you have to be ready. Um, a lot of people just aren't um, mentally and and financially ready. So, so that's the first step. Get yourself get yourself you yourself ready um, to make that step um, once you've done that then like i said partner up with a good agent that knows the area um, that understands what you're looking for um, always talk to your accountant your cpa whoever you're working with as far as financial um, means um, and then and then talk to anybody else in that neighborhood you know if you're if you're looking in a particular neighborhood or you're looking at a particular street you see somebody outside stop talk to them hey um, you know, what do you like about living here? Um, how's the schools? Um, make sure you're making wise investments. Don't jump in um, necessarily um, without taking those steps to make sure that it's the right house for you. Um, know what those inspections are. Talk to the building um, department. Ask what building inspections were done. Ask, um, you know, when they put in uh, that new addition uh, of those two bedrooms and the extra bathroom in the basement, you know, were those permitted? You know, did you look at those? Did, you know, what was the, what, you know, was, was the electric to code? Was the plumbing to code? Just do a lot of research. Um, I think that's the main thing is, is know what you're doing and know what you're buying. You was discussing how you all had fixed and flipped 14 houses. Wow. How on earth did you have the time to do that? But <laughs> in this time, could a person run into functional obsolescence say, could you put more into upgrading a home right now with the cost of lumber and just the rising cost in general and not be able to get that money back out? Or do you think, that the rate that the houses are increasing in value uh, offsets that? Good question. And actually, um, what was it yesterday, the day before I did see lumber prices actually come down for the first time that I've noticed in, in oh, six months. Um, so I did see some prices starting to come down. So definitely, I think um, if you can get into one of those, you know, 1970s, um, early, early 70s, late 60s um, style of home where you have, you know, every, every room is a little individual box. Um, it's not it's not desirable now. Everybody wants an open floor plan. So if you can certainly get it. I'm sorry, yeah. I lost you there for a second. Oh, okay. If you can, if you can get into one of those at a good, at a good, you know, good price, which I don't know if you can in this market, but if you can, um, definitely opening up some walls, um, you know, making that home more 
unquote, quote, modern, I think you can get some money out of it. Um, like I said, sometimes it's just adding curb appeal, uh, you know, adding a few flowers, making it, you know, more welcoming, um, changing some colors. A lot of times you'll walk in and some colors are a little bold, you know, kind of tone that down, make it more neutral, more appealing to more people. The more appealing it is to more people, of course, then hopefully you're going to have more offers. Of course, right now we're writing, I mean, there's multiple offers on every property. I don't, I don't care what it is. It's, it's got multiple offers. Some of those houses are, whether they're beautiful or, or not near beautiful, um, they're selling with, you know, 24, 48 hours. I have never seen a time like this. Do you think this is the beginning of a bubble or do you think this is about, about the way it's going to be for the next few, uh, few months or years? Well, and, and that's, I, I think we had, we had touched on that earlier. I think it really depends on um, what happens with interest rates for one. Um, and like I said, I've talked to so many people in the industry. Um, we have builders walking in and out of the office every day and, and, and everybody's speculating, of course, but there's, you know, I'm hearing up to five years like this. Um, I, I don't know how we can continue at this pace. Um, you know, my husband, like I said, is a real estate appraiser and a real estate agent, and I don't see him now. So if this continues for five years, I, I, I don't know. Um, he's he's overwhelmed. You know, he's definitely doing 12, 14, 16 hour days, which is, is it's impossible. And and again, as far as, as building inspectors, they're inspecting, you know, twice as much as they normally do. So I don't know how it can continue for those people that are in the business. Um, I guess, you know, I guess we'll see what next year and the next year and the next year holds. Michelle, thank, thank you so, so much, much for your time. time. I really, really appreciate you coming on here. Is, is, would, would you, you like, like to uh, give any, uh, anyone that, that might be interested in reaching out to you in the Cincinnati area? Uh, contact information for Double O. Can they, is, is there a website or anything they can go to? Yeah, definitely. Double O Realty. Um, just Google us. You'll find us. Um, certainly feel free to um, reach out to me. My email, um, I believe, is attached to the podcast. It's mtegt317 at gmail.com. Thanks, Thanks again, Michelle. Michelle. We really, really appreciate, appreciate your time. time. You have, have a wonderful, wonderful weekend. weekend. Thank you, Sean. I appreciate you allowing me uh, a few minutes to talk about what I love to do. And, and, and certainly, it's, it's, there's no better industry out there. Well, folks, folks this is the conclusion of your Wealth Plan podcast. Once again, this podcast is for entertainment and educational purposes only. This is not to be considered financial advice. We suggest that you seek out a certified financial planner when developing your wealth plan. You can reach out to us about being on the podcast at Your Wealth Plan Podcast on Instagram or Facebook. Thanks for listening. Please subscribe.